0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Episode 3 of the Slip and Weave Podcast. I'm Dakota. lot to get into today. We're going to be talking about last week's cards on both Showtime and DAZN, talking about a couple fights that are coming up this weekend, um, and then I'm going to be giving my prediction on the rematch on February 22nd between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Let's get right into it. Last weekend, there was a really nice card on uh, on Showtime. Uh, the main event was Gary Russell Jr. against a guy from Mongolia whose name was Tug Nyambayar, who I tried to say his name on the last episode. I think I was actually kind of close, um, but nonetheless, he was a very talented opponent. Um, but the first fight of the night was between Guillermo Rigondeaux and Liborio Solis at 118 pounds. Rigondeau moving down to 118 pounds from 122, where he spent the majority of his career handful of fights at featherweight, and of course, uh, his one fight at 130 against Vasily Lomachenko, which is his only loss. Um, Rigondeau, he's, he's a special talent in a lot of ways. Uh, th- to start with, Rigondeau won a split decision in this fight, um, which I thought was unacceptable i thought with the exception of the first round you know he came out in the first round gloves high walked right to solis and took some of his shots i think he was trying to get a gauge on you know a gauge on what solis brought to the table turned out solis had some pop um and so as a result i think he got a little buzz in that first round and he had to back off um and he switched up and he got into his rigging out thing Um, And immediately you could see the amateur pedigree, the skill set, all the things that he brings to the table, the amazing footwork, the fast hands. You know, when he really sits down on his shots, he's so powerful. He can back you up immediately. And what I found disappointing was that almost the entire time the crowd was booing him. This is a guy who's now 40 years old and he is a two-time olympic gold medalist. He's a multiple weight division world champion and he's moving down in weight, which not a lot of guys can do um at the at at the later part of their career. Really only him and Nonito Donaire seem to be able to do that with any real success right now. And I I just thought it was upsetting that people were booing his performance. He's been criticized most of his career, for not being a particularly engaging fighter. He's very, very defensive. You know, he can really get on the back foot, moving around the ring, minimal engagement. But when he engages, he really sits down on his shots. He knows, you know, where to place his punches. He's got great hand speed. And then, you know, by the time you're ready to respond, he's already created an angle, and he's out on the other side of the ring. And I was thinking about this, you know, like why – you know why our audience is so resistant to this style. And I think that ultimately it 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 all comes down to you know why you watch boxing. And a, a lot of people watch boxing because they're looking for that blood and guts. They're they're looking to see, you know, that Rocky movie in real life. Um and I but I think that there are also a lot of educated fans who know that there are, the name of the game is hit and don't get hit, and there's a lot of means to that end. Sometimes guys like Mike Tyson come around, Deontay Wilder, guys that are all power that come forward and they put guys to sleep. And that's one approach to the game. You know, you got to work with what skill set you have. There's a part of me that understands people's frustration with Rigandale because it was so obvious the talent gap between him and this guy, and he seemed unwilling for large stretches of the fight to engage but all of that being said for a 40 year old man who had almost 500 amateur fights to glide around the ring the way he does and to be able to move his head and have the reflexes and the ability to respond I didn't think it got enough respect it was disappointing I you know my inclination is always just particularly with boxing and how dangerous it is if I'm not enjoying a fight, I'm, I'm just not going to cheer for it. I'm just going to get up. This is when I go, you know, and I get my snack or whatever. Um, that wasn't how the people in this crowd felt. They They were definitely getting restless with him, and they booed him from start to finish. All that being said, though, I think for young fighters, this is the kind of guy that you should be watching. His fundamentals, his ability to get around the ring, to stop guys from cutting off the ring with with quick little, you know, side to side movements, his upper body movement and his ability to slip punches. And then on top of that when he needs to, he can go glove up and kind of sit in the pocket and throw down. So for all the young fighters like this is the kind of guy you should be watching. The crowd isn't always going to be on your side, but I think real boxing enthusiasts understand um, the mastery that 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 it takes to be able to fight like that, and it 's special to watch you know if you know what you're watching if you understand the i q of what he 's doing it 's incredible to watch so i I viewed it as a great performance what i didn 't understand was why it was a split decision because with the exception of the first round when he got tagged, he basically gave a a boxing lesson for twelve rounds um, and I think that only adds to the audience's lack of appreciation for that style particularly american audiences that i think are more more blood and guts and less um appreciative of the sport itself they're not as attached to olympic fighters they're not as attached to regional fighters you know world champions in england and in the uk and other countries get much more respect than champions do in america um and I think that a lot of times when guys like Rigondeau come over here with that very technical amateur style, it just doesn't get the kind of response that it should because I just don't think a lot of fans know what they're watching. And particularly when you look at, you know, there's these guys that are from YouTube that are starting to fight on the zone, on real boxing cards in professional boxing matches, you know, and they're they're in their 20s and they haven't had to put in the, you know, the the years of work to get to that position that somebody like Rigindow is. And they're getting paid to do it and a lot of times they're getting cheered on in these ugly ass fucking fights and uh somebody like Guillermo Rigandiao, with all of his accomplishments is forty years old has to get booed all the way to the end of the twelfth round. I just think it's disrespectful. And I don't think I don't think um Eddie Hearn does the sport any services by continuing to put those kinds of fights on and then thinking that that's going to carry over to the rest of the sport. I think if anything it sensationalizes boxing and and delegitimizes, you know, technical uh technical mastery like Rigondeaux has. So, go check that guy out. If you if if there's a way for you to watch it, watch Rigondeaux against Laborio Solis. Um there are some rounds that can get a little sleepy, but if you can really just, you know, Enjoy the technique and the and the speed and the dominance with which he's he carries the fight it, he's he's a very he's he's a spectacle in my opinion he's he's a special fighter so the main event of that card was Gary Russell against Tug Nyambayar, who I was unfamiliar with. I went and did my homework the week before and watched some stuff of him on YouTube and I was really impressed man. He puts them together nice he's got nice punching power. Um, he throws some really nice combinations, but the thing about Gary Russell is he, he never, particularly in this fight, like sat down on his punches and, and throws really hard, but he throws so fast. He throws these barrages of punches. He'll throw four or five jabs at a clip. And even if none of them are landing, the speed is so jarring that it makes all these guys keep their hands in their pocket because they're not, you know, they can't really predict what he's going to be throwing or how much of it's going to be coming at them. It's not like Gary Russell's throwing a one-two out. You know, he puts together these very really fast flurries of punches that make it very hard to penetrate his space. Um, And he did a really great job of that for, like, the first seven, eight rounds. And then Nyambayar started to come on at the end of the fight. Russell was sort of sitting in the pocket with him a little more. Um... And he won a couple rounds down the stretch, but it was a very clear win for Gary Russell, who he's he's got really fast hands, man. Those are some of the fastest hands I've ever seen. Um, he's 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 impressive. His IQ and his ability to just sort of slowly circle the ring and pop off fast combinations and then get out is really it's very impressive. Um, and this was a good opponent for him. This was you know. This was just the kind of opponent he needs to be fighting where it's guys that are giving him real challenges. You know, hit this guy, Jojo Diaz, those kinds of fights. So after the fight, he was saying, and I had seen in some interviews, that his intention is to move up to 135 pounds, to lightweight, to fight Javante Davis, um, or he would fight Leo Santa Cruz at either 126 or 130. But ultimately, his intention is to leave featherweight, give up his belt, and pursue something else. Um, I've also heard that Gervonta and Leo Santa Cruz Are looking to fight each other too So it'll be interesting to see which of these Three guys uh, Fights each other first I think that Russell might not have the power To deal with somebody like Gervonta Davis And I don't think he's got natural size To just be a big lightweight That might be a tough fight for him I think the fight with Leo is a little more realistic And a little more evenly matched So Hopefully Gary can get one of those fights. You know, he's had some good fights throughout his career. But the biggest fight of his career was the fight with Vasily Lomachenko that he lost. Um, And I don't think he's ever had a fight at that level again. And I think it would be cool to see him you know, at that elite level against someone like that. Interestingly enough, both Rigandiao and Gary Russell have one loss on their record, both to Lomachenko. Just to give you some perspective on the, uh, the skills of Vasily Lomachenko. So I really enjoyed this card. Looking forward to seeing both Gary Russell and Regan Leo fight again. Um, there was another card on that same Saturday night, February 8th. Uh, it was on DAZN. The main event was the comeback of Kell Brook against a guy named Mark DeLuca, who I was not particularly familiar with. I think I saw him fight once. He fought somebody from the contender. But... He was a pretty. He was pretty much like a B level, C plus level fighter. Definitely knew how to fight. No doubt about it. That there was some good undercard fights though that I thought were really impressive. There was a 130 pound women's fight between Terry Harper and Eva Wallström. I had never seen either of these women fight before. That I was really impressed with both of them. Harper, she's her feet are tr- are fucking great. She, you know, she keeps. It. Everyone right on the end of her jab, she's constantly kind of moving in a circle. And her length, particularly for somebody at 130, is very difficult to deal with. Um, and Volstrom did a good job of, of applying smart pressure and moving her head on the way in and being able to slip shots around what Harper was doing. So it made it an interesting fight. Um, it, was, it was a very entertaining, evenly matched technical fight, but I thought Harper clearly won. She wound up getting the decision. I would really like to see Terry Harper in with somebody in that weight neighborhood. I've heard that Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor are going to be fighting each other soon. I don't know what weight exactly they would do that at, but I would love to see her get in the mix and possibly fight the winner of that. Um, <coughs> yeah, she looked really good. I know that Volstrom had fought... Uh, Katie Taylor in the past I'd never I hadn't seen that fight and I hadn't seen either of them before so it's always good to see new talent they were both really impressive um, women's boxing is killing it right now man uh, good to see all these high level fights on so many cards now there was another undercard fight a guy named Kid Galahad against Claudio morero morero actually had fought uh, and lost to Nayem Bayar previously um, I had seen both of these guys before. Kid Galahad. I don't remember who I saw him fight, but I saw him also lose to um, what's his name. Oh, it's totally spacing me right now. I'll think of it. But he's a top level uh, featherweight, really impressive technical fighter. Um, I thought this had the potential to be a little more fifty fifty, a little more flip a coin and it turned out that Galahad was on a completely different level from Marrero uh, and really gave him an ass whooping. It was, it was a completely one-sided fight. He was just tagging him with clean right hands the whole time, and it wound up being completely one-sided, stopped in the eighth round, I believe. That could be wrong. Um, but I really I, I enjoyed watching Galahad. Um, Josh Warrington, there it is. That's the guy he lost to. Josh Warrington, one of the top guys at featherweight as well. Um, so good to see Galahad in action. I really enjoy watching him. It's it's a sort of stiff British style. He's a little like Anthony Joshua in how he throws his punches, but he's he's a pleasure to watch. And then the main event of this card was Kelbrook Brook against Mark DeLuca. Kel Brook had not fought since December of 2018. He had had a couple of comeback fights, but was taking some time off. Um, in both the fights with Gennady Golovkin and Kelber, and um, Errol Spence, he had fractured fractured orbital bones, which is a horrific injury, particularly for fighters when, you know, that somebody's trying to hit you in the face all the time. I'm sure that there, that had to have affected how he's defended himself since then. But in this particular fight, he was so on point and he was so sharp. It took him a couple rounds to get going and. I think DeLuca knew what he was doing, so he was taking advantage of some of Kel's um, ring rust and was throwing some nice combinations. He hit him with some nice body shots. But once he got his rhythm going, this guy Kel Brook, man, he can really put his punches together. I really like watching him, man. I think he's a tough challenge for anybody at 154, which is a great weight class right now. It's really up in the air as to... Who the, who the top guy at 154 is right now is really up in the air, and he could totally get in the mix. If he still feels fresh and he's not killing himself to make welterweight, I don't see any reason why Kell Brook, uh can't be a factor. Once he's got you hurt, he puts them together three, four, five, and they're all hard. They're fast. Everything he does is real crisp, man. He's a really good fighter, so it was good to see him doing what he does best. It was unclear if we were ever going to see him again. I kind of like... I had looked at his at the rankings at one point, and I didn't see his name anywhere, um, and I was on rack and the reason I wasn't seeing him was he had been inactive for more than a year, so I'm glad that he's come back and he's doing his thing and um, looked really sharp in this fight. Obviously, you know, this opponent was a little bit of a gimme, a little bit of a, you know, come back and get my rhythm fight, but I thought he passed the test with flying colors, man. I really enjoyed his performance. Um, February 22nd is, uh, it's going to be a, a joint pay-per-view between Fox and ESPN, the rematch between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. If this fight is anything like the first one, it should be a classic. The first fight was a draw. If you don't, if you don't know, or you haven't seen that fight, the first fight was a draw. Um, for large stretches of the fight, Fury was pretty much giving Wilder a boxing lesson and then two times down the stretch of the fight Wilder was able to clip Fury you know once with a little right hand on the side of the head sort of a flash knockdown the first time then in the 12th round he put him down hard and I think a lot of people thought Fury wasn't going to get up but he did get up and he finished the fight I think to most people it looked like Fury had won way more rounds and had definitely pretty clear-cut won a decision. Um, so, But it was a draw. I thought at the time, I remember scoring at eight rounds to four. So with the two knockdowns, you take two points off Fury, that's 114-112 for Fury. That's how I remember scoring the fight while I was watching it. It felt like... He was just the much more dominant man as far as claiming space in the ring. Um, and he's saying in the buildup that he feels like he's going to try to walk to Wilder, that he's he thinks the only way to to slow down a power puncher is to put him on the back foot, try to back him up, that he's going to knock him out within two rounds. You know, that would be pretty uncharacteristic of Tyson Fury. But I wouldn't put it past him either to come out and, and really try to just to push this guy back and be more physical than him and try to you know use his size a little bit. Not that many people try that with Wilder. I don't know if I remember anybody trying to get in his chest and get in his space and really push him back and just get physical with him. Everyone's so focused on staying away from the punching power that I think a lot of times they put themselves in worse positions to get hit because they're trying to stay away from him, but at the same time, he's so tall and long that they're just on the end of his range, you know? So maybe there is some some wisdom to getting in his chest, to making it physical, to pushing him back. So if Fury mixes in a little of that with the technical boxing skills, I think I have to go with Fury by decision. Um and I think I think ultimately the fight will look similar to how the first one looked except I don't know that I don't know that F- that Fury is going to be able to only be on the back foot again. I think he's going to have to get Wilder's respect a little more with his own punching power. Um and you know what? The thing about Wilder is he can make people like me look real stupid with one punch. He's that good a puncher. He's the hardest puncher I've ever seen. So I wouldn't put it past him to be 11 rounds and two minutes into the fight and he puts this guy to sleep, you know, until that final 12th round bell rings. Deontay Wilder's a live dog, but at least for now, my inclination is that I think Fury has too many skills, and I think that he's got too many things that he can go to, and it does seem like he's the only guy that can get up when, uh, when Wilder hurts him or puts him down so fury by decision and I'm really looking forward to this fight I know it's pay-per-view but as far as heavyweight boxing I think this is probably the most important fight that can be made right now is to have these two guys fight again and really settle this score and I think whoever wins this fight is without a doubt the top heavyweight in the world so definitely check that out um Again, February 22nd, Fox ESPN pay-per-view. Should be a good one, man. Next weekend, February 14th on Friday, there's a DAZN card that that is being put together by Oscar De La Hoya. It's going to be Ryan Garcia against Francisco Fonseca and Jorge Linares against Carlos Morales. Linares is one of my favorite fighters. Very fast, very good on his feet. His hand speed is unbelievable. This is going to be a lightweight, both of these fights. Um, and I think the idea being that Linares and Ryan Garcia are going to get matched, which I think is a great matchup for both of them. Ryan Garcia is fighting a guy named Fonseca. I don't know that I've seen Fonseca fight before, but I know that Ryan Garcia is very uh, is a very special talent. He's he's young, but I think his 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 hand speed, his power, he, his punches are like whips. If you ever watch him on his Instagram work in the bag or whatever, his shots have this snap to them, this combination of speed and torque that's particularly unique. I think he's a really talented kid. I know people kind of bust his balls a little bit because he's like a pretty boy with the Instagram and shit, but I think he can really fight. I really enjoy watching him. And I think Linares, you know, being kind of an old vet and very technical um, I know Morales the guy he 's fighting is a very durable vet, so it 'll be you know a good test to see where he 's at um, after the the Pablo Cano loss. One thing about Lenar is even though he is one of my favorite fighters he 's always been a little bit chinny there 's no other way to put it it 's just he 's just not quite that durable, and particularly above one thirty five i don 't know how much how many power punchers punch he 's going to be able to take. But hopefully against somebody like Carlos Morales, who is a good fighter, he's going to be able to put on a good show and make his case to get the fight with Ryan Garcia. I would really love to see Ryan Garcia against Jorge Linares. Both of these guys, again, for all the young fighters, I think this these are two really good fighters to watch. Um, if you want to learn some really basic technique, um, some fundamental footwork, how to throw a nice left hook to the body, both of them do a great job of that. So check those guys out on February 14th on zone. Then the next day on Saturday is Caleb Plant against Vincent Feigenboots. This is going to be on Fox. Um, and I really like Caleb Plant, super middleweight champion. I don't know anything about Feigenboots and it's unclear to me why Caleb Plant is being matched this soft at this point in his career. I don't know if Feigenboots is soft. Maybe that's where I'm misinformed, but He's not ranked, you know, anywhere in the top ten of any major body as far as I know. You know, maybe with one of the belts that Caleb has. But as far as the fans and, you know, I don't think Vincent Vincent Feigenboots is exactly a household name in America. So um I'd like that Caleb Plant's staying busy, but it's unclear what this opponent does to advance his career for me. Um but I hope, it's, I hope it's a good fight. I hope Feigen Boots is better than I know anything about, and he, he puts up a good fight. Um, so check that out Saturday, February 15th. going to be on Fox. Um, I think it's going to be on around 9, so check that out Friday and Saturday. going to be some good fights. Thanks so much for listening to Episode 3 of the Slip and Weave Podcast, guys. I'm really enjoying doing this. Thanks for all the feedback, and I'll see you next week.